69 cents. And the gas? Y'all getting any rain up here, Wayne? What way would that be? I seen you was from Dallas. What business is it of yours? Where I'm from? Friendo? I didn't mean nothing by it. Didn't mean nothing. Just passing the time. If you don't want to accept that, I don't know what else I can do for you. Will it be something else? I don't know. Will there? <clears throat> Is something wrong? With what? With anything. Is that what you're asking me? Is there something wrong with anything? Will there be anything else? You already asked me that. Oh, well, I need to see about closing then. See about closing? Yes, sir. What time do you close? Now, we close now. Now is not a time. What time do you close? Generally around dark, at dark. You don't know what you're talking about, do you? Sir? I said, you don't know what you're talking about. What time do you go to bed? Sir? You're a bit deaf, aren't you? I said, what time do you go to bed? Oh. Somewhere around 9.30. I'd say around 9.30. I could come back then. Why would you be coming back? We'll be closed. Yeah, you said that. Well, I got to close now. You live in that house all back? Yes, I do. You lived here all your life? This is my wife's father's place uh, originally. <coughs> you married into it? We lived in Temple, Texas for many years. Raised a family there in Temple. We come out here about four years ago. You married into it. That's the way you want to put it. Well, I don't have some way to put it. That's the way it is. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Sir? The most you ever lost on a coin toss. I don't know. I couldn't say. Call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Squadcast Movies, this is the podcast where we review and discuss the films we love to watch. Yeah, we're passionate about quality filmmaking and we want to share it with you. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I'm Tim, and we are the Squadcast. Scott, man, this is our second episode. I know, and I get to pick this one. This is exciting. Yes, you did. Oh, and I can't wait to tell you. Oh, stay tuned for the end. The reveal, the big reveal of our third episode. Even Scott doesn't know. Yeah, but you sure have been getting excited about it. I'm oh. like, this. Be- th- I'm, at this point, I'm gonna be- I feel like I'm just going to be deflated by the time we get 
get to the end of the episode. <laughs> no, I'm I'm super excited about this one. And and by the way, Scott, we had we had a lot of downloads for our first episode, so I was pretty pleased about that. Whiplash was such a fun film. Oh, fun, fun, fun is an interesting word to assign <laughs> to that movie. But yes, I was very happy with the amount of people who actually appreciated a yeah. different show, a different format, talking about a movie. It, it, it was fun to see people as excited about these quality films like we are. And it's like, well, we knew we knew we had. I know we've cultivated the right listeners. Apparently, <laughs> it's like we have good yeah. friends. Yeah, no, and it was awesome too. We got a lot of feedback. I mean, we got lots of messages about the film, uh, a lot of comments. It was great. Uh, so it, it definitely kind of validates what I kind of felt like. You know, um, there people are interested in other things outside of you know the typical uh, stuff that we do on our other show. So I was I was pretty pleased about that. Absolutely. Well, speaking of those other shows, let's just take this opportunity to plug the rest of the network over here at Squawkcast Media, where we do have, of course, DC Film Squawkcast, the main show over there with Tim and myself. We've got the the comic book DC Comic Squadcast with Jim, with Chris and Jordan. We've got DC TV Squadcast with Ray and currently myself talking about, you know, a variety of DC related TV shows. Fans of the Borders with Brent and Ray and Marvel Squadcast with Brent and Brock. Yep. And guys, uh, if you're enjoying the show, uh, please go out and leave us a review. Uh, we'd love to, you know, start getting some feedback on our, uh, you know, on our in iTunes and or actually what is it called now? It's Apple Podcasts. And, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and anywhere else. We're back in the old day. Back, <laughs> back. in my day, it was called <laughs> iTunes. Yeah, back in my day. So, yeah, I mean, leave us a review. And uh, and if you'd like to help kind of support what we're doing as a network, uh, we'd encourage you to go to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia, and you can help support everything we're doing this entire media network. We have another show. We, we You know, we call this one Squadcast Movies. We actually have been doing Squadcast Movies for about 38 episodes already, and it's all exclusive, for the most part, to Patreon. And uh, in those shows, we've been reviewing comic book based films which has just been a ton of fun we've been kind of going in order and we've got a lot of good ones coming up on that one so we've got that uh scott you do a show occasionally with with uh, with ray yeah fans of the borders plus where basically it's just kind of kind of like what we do here except for it's the new movies that come out you know when there's movie theaters for ray and me yeah. to go see movies but <laughs> yeah so so we've got that hopefully coming back soon yeah i can yeah. imagine that probably i mean let, let's be honest when tenant comes out we'll be reviewing that i mean that's yeah just, for sure that's a no-brainer <laughs> there's no doubt and i want to be on that one as well oh and by the way so we've got lots of other little tidbits that we drop off uh, uh you know in that feed so all the different shows of the network you know drop occasional different things here and there so it's uh got a ton of content i know we have over 300 pieces of content at this point God, so much so much <laughs> so much all right scott well i think it's time for us to get on with this review i know because i got to pick this one yes <laughs> and i picked the coen brothers written and directed no country for old men based on the novel by Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, and I, when you say written, I would say adapted. I, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that... I, th- okay, this is the first thing I want to say about the film of No Country for Old Men. This movie is about as close to a viewing experience that is analogous to actually reading a Cormac McCarthy novel. Uh, You've seen The Road or no? I've seen parts of The Road. Okay. I've not seen The Road all the way through because The Road is actually of what I've read of Cormac McCarthy, The Road is my favorite book that he has written, but No Country for Old Men is my favorite film that has been adapted from his work. Okay. Yeah, we'll need to talk about The Road someday because I, I just love that film. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a a dark film. I mean, what I mean by dark is it's like, it's bleak. <laughs> it's, 
it's a very bleak film, which is very much like the Cormac McCarthy, McCarthy uh, novel, The Road. But uh, that one's a pretty faithful adaptation as well. No, but I'm not talking about, but I'm not talking about okay, I'm not even talking about being a faithful adaptation. I'm talking about artistically the experience of viewing the film, the way it is shot, its style. I feel like if you want to talk about what, how do you visually represent the way it feels to read Cormac McCarthy's prose? That's how I feel about the fi- about the Coen Brothers film. Okay, no, I follow you. So, if you've never read a Cormac McCarthy novel, you need to understand two things: short sentences and no punctuation. Yeah, Al- almost. Yeah, definitely no quotation marks. Yes. It, it, if you've ever read Ernest Hemingway, Cormac McCarthy is the closest of a modern day living author who writes in a style that I would compare to Hemingway. Very no nonsense, in your face, not a ton of description, just here it is. Yeah. And the way the Coen brothers adapted the material, because pretty much anything the characters say is almost quoted verbatim from the novel, Mm -hmm. but it is such a slowly paced visual film. So little talking happens in this movie and so much is communicated by the moving images and with that pacing that the film has that's what I mean was the the experience of reading a McCarthy novel this film is the visual analogy to that in my opinion yeah I would agree with that in fact I had that same thing in my notes as I was watching this film Uh, this is something that you typically don't see a lot of directors in Hollywood get away with where they're actually able to kind of like you know allow a a film to kind of roll out very quickly and or very slowly and you see a lot of scenes that really kind of drag on and and I don't mean that in a negative sense I, I that's something I really liked about this is you get this sense of you're just watching his character and you're, and you're feeling like this little uncertainty and tension build up and the one I was thinking of is when um, you know when Llewellyn uh, the, the main well one of the main characters in the film where he is looking for where this money is from this this drug deal that went bad he you know he realizes obviously there was money somewhere involved in there and he finds you know this guy off in a distance and he could see somebody laying down up against a tree in the shade and and they really play out the scene where you know he's looking at him and uh, he's just kind of like watching looks at his watch to to see if this guy ends up moving at all during any of this time and uh, you see it just kind of sitting there watching and then he pulls up binoculars and looks and then looks at his watch again and he finally decides it's it's a kind of like time that like it seems to be safe like this guy does not seem to be moving yeah I noticed that too and it's just and I was also thinking about the scene where um, Shigar is in the gas station and you just and, and he's threatening the guy and, and he's just eating the candy and there's even the scene where it, he puts his wrapper down on the counter and they even keep the camera on it long enough to watch the wrapper uncurl uncrumble yeah that was great and the other one too and like since we're talking about this this little style that the Coen brothers did in this thing uh, the whole thing when he was hiding the money up into the air vents it was the same thing like that that scene stretched on for quite a while and then when he was on the opposite side when he was on the other side of the motel and was putting together the the tent poles and the hooks from the the hangers and was wrapping it all together like that just goes on and on that scene and I love it I just love that um, I love that use of allowing these these scenes to kind of breathe a little bit and allow the tension to build up because you know you're just you're you're feeling you know what the character was feeling during a scene and and I that's something that you just don't get to see a lot of these films do anymore you know in Hollywood and there's also a sense of I don't know realism about it because I, I I know we're kind of on this kick but another scene that came to mind was the second time he goes back to the busted up drug deal 
know, yeah. he, he goes back to, because I guess he gets a guilty conscience. He wants to bring that one guy the some water, water yeah. even though he's dead. And, and that ends up kind of being the turning point because that's when he gets noticed yeah. by whichever side, uh, you know, the bad guys is about as generic as I can put it. And, you know, he, he, he escapes into the river and the dog follows him. And there's that scene where he gets to the other side, the dog's coming at him. And yet the Coen brothers take the time to shoot him, take the gun out, pop out the magazine, eject the cartridge because it's wet, yeah. blow out blow the chamber out. to dry it, reload the magazine, and then just in time, shoot the dog <laughs> before it has yeah. a chance to maul him. And it's, it, and it's this weird kind of, well, yeah, he swam through a river with a gun. If he's going to be able to fire the thing, he does have to go through all these steps to legitimately fire the gun. Yeah. But it does exactly what you just said, which is, you've got this mean, bloody <laughs> dog ready to attack him, and seeing how long it takes him to get the gun ready to actually shoot it, it it's that slow pacing that creates suspense and tension, and it just never lets up because you just never know when the hammer is going to drop on any character in this film. Well, and that was a great scene too. I mean, since you were bringing up the whole thing with the the dog chasing him down, I, what I loved about that thing was like once he was in a river and he was kind of like swimming down the river or just being taken with the current. You see this dog pursuing him, and you had this like really weird sense of like he's being pursued by this really bad person, but it was a dog, and and it was just there was just this beautiful little tension about this dog kind of floating along down a river and just like was you know the dog's not giving up, and uh, and then and then it led to the scene that you just talked about so so many great elements about this thing and I, and I can't remember if that ex- exactly how it played out in the, in the novel or not that's been a long time since I read it yeah I read it a couple of years ago because I kind of got on a Cormac McCarthy kick where I read the road and then I pretty much jumped straight into no country for old men I just remember the experience of reading the book being one of those where I was reading the book going just move I mean, the Coen yeah. brothers literally <laughs> just shot the book yeah it's exactly right and and that's the way I felt about the road as well oh man it, so uh, there was like the other one I was thinking of too when uh, when Anton uh, when he was recovering from his leg wound or he was trying to treat it they spent a ton of time you know after he had gotten some of that uh, uh, some of the medicine uh, medications from that pharmacy he went back to the hotel room and uh, spent the time like you know pulling his boot off and the blood straining out and then he's in the water in the bathtub and then he comes out and they, they spend a lot of time like him injecting needles and all that and, and I just loved it like the way they play that out it, it was just so great I mean this is the kind of filmmaking that I just love well it's this naturalism it's this it is. Well, we're not going to cut the details. It's like there, there's a technicality to it that adds a naturalism and a realism, and it makes the world feel more real because they don't skip over the details. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I mean, so every time you talk about the stylistic uh, way that this film was shot, I mean, there's something about the Cormac McCarthy novels, and I know, you've read just what a couple of them. I've actually I've read. I've read three. I've, okay. I've read Road. I've read No Country for Old Men, and I've read The Sunset Limited. Okay, yeah. I mean, he he, you know, his his area is the Southwest of the United States, and he he writes it so beautifully. Uh, I mean, it, it it's something about him that just makes him, you know, he, like already he's like one of the great American authors, you know, of all time in my book. And he's still alive. And he's still alive. Yeah, he's got to be like eighty-seven now at this point. I don't know how old he is, but I mean, he's 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 up there. Uh, but I know he's got. Oh, by the way, I think he's got another. 
another novel coming out uh, relatively soon. So that which would be great. Okay, sold. Yeah, definitely sold. I, oh, I take that back. I've also I haven't read it, but he did a film with Ridley Scott that was an original screenplay. So okay. I guess you can kind of count that as well. I didn't read the screenplay, but I did watch the movie. Yeah, and that's about the only other one because it is Cormac McCarthy himself. That's like, yeah, I feel like I'm watching. I, I'm air quotes watching a Cormac McCarthy novel. Right. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, this is uh, from what I remember. This is such a faithful adaptation. Uh, the Coen Brothers, the way they filmed it, uh, it's just got beautiful cinematography. This is, you know, Roger Deakins, by the way. Roger Deakins. Yeah. 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 I didn't remember that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You know what? I take that. It's not that I didn't remember. It's like when I saw this movie the first time, I didn't know who Rod, like Roger Deakins wasn't a name that would have meant anything to me. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you get some early, uh, you, you get an early idea of just like what this guy as a cinematographer has to offer. And it's, there's some really incredible shots in this, in the way it was, you know, all the way all the shows, uh, all the, the shots were composed and, and all the, you know, things along those lines. It was, it was just done so great. The natural lighting that really adds to that mood. And it really, and it really gives you this sense of, it almost gives a noir sense to Texas. Right. Yeah, it really does. So yeah, I mean, it's, this is uh, stylistically, this, this film has me absolutely sold. The story of course is just compelling and, and, and it's not formulaic really, you know, no, and that's, that's the not. thing I love about it. Yeah. Is that now I'm kind of curious if you would agree with this, but do you get a sense, and, and, and I mean this in a, and I'm trying to be accurate with it, but a sense of nihilism in this movie? Yeah, I would say so. I think so, yeah. Because you're talking about a story where, one, it's very it's very hard to point at anyone and call them a, quote, good guy or a no. hero. No, there's a protagonist. There's a, no, Llewellyn's the guy we're following, but we're also talking about a guy who decided, yeah, I'm going to take an, I'm going to take a case full of drug money. Right. Because I was out hunting, and and I've always kind of curious whether he was poaching or not. That was always, you know, <laughs> I I get this. You know, he never gives you the sense that he's necessarily a great guy. And then you kind of watch some of the decisions he makes throughout the movie. So what you do see throughout this movie, though, are innocent bystanders who just get in the path of Sh- of Shigar, who are pointlessly eliminated mm-hmm. because he's on this mission to get the money and get Llewellyn. And you have a movie where good people die, bad people die. There's no real sin. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. It's not like the good guys are winning, the bad guys are getting punished. It's just this this sense of this mindless, pointless violence. And I feel like that kind of ties into the theme of the novel and the film, which right. ties into what the title means: "No Country for Old Men." Right. I mean, so you you kind of mentioned you you kind of see Llewellyn Moss, uh, played by Josh Brolin, as like the protagonist. I actually don't see him that way. I, I see the protagonist in this one really being Tommy Lee Jones, you know, as Sheriff Ed Tom Bell. And then I see the, you know, the antagonist clearly being Anton Chigurh, you know, and then I see Josh Brolin in between. And I, and I think that's where his place was supposed to be in his film. And and that's part of why, kind of leading up to the whole title theme of this film, No Country for Old Men, this was, this is really a, you know, this is really a Tommy Lee Jones story uh, with his character as the sheriff in this, because that's really the theme of it. Like he, you know, he he's kind of like a of a different time when you didn't have this kind of stuff happening. And then, you know, now this is set in the 1980s, which is where the the drug war uh, really started to kind of ramp up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And some of the drug violence was really ramping up specifically on the southwest part of the United States. And so uh, his story is like, you know, this isn't, I I don't even know how to deal with this violence anymore. Like, none of it made sense. You know, he starts off the film and he talks about, you know, back 
back with my father and his father, I mean, you know, back in those old days, like the sheriffs didn't even carry guns. And now he's like, he's getting close to retirement. And he's dealing with this violence that he doesn't even understand and doesn't even understand like how he could even deal with it. Like he's, this is not his, you know, this is not a country for him anymore, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it's such a great theme overall. And it, and I don't think that's abundantly clear to a lot of people. Uh, but if you really kind of like, you know, uh, just let this film kind of marinate, uh, it became, becomes a lot more clear, like what they were trying to say with this film. And obviously the book. Well, absolutely. And I think it also ties into the fact that for the most part, it, it's the sheriff character that Tommy Lee Jones plays who narrates the novel for right mo- for the entirety almost. Yeah. Well, yeah, he he's he's kind of the framing because, I mean, whenever the stuff of Llewellyn happens, you know, that kind of gets told more in a omniscient third person sense when whenever you have the sheriff, you're getting a a first person narration, which is where you can basically look at Tommy Lee Jones and pretty much every word that comes out of his mouth is a direct quotation from the novel, especially since Tommy Lee Jones and Cormac McCarthy have a deep abiding friendship. Right. So, yeah. But yeah. I, I but I get I, I get what you're saying there. I would argue that that they're both protagonists in the way that who's Tommy Lee Jones, the sheriff, is who we're thematically following, while plot wise we're following Llewellyn throughout right. the movie. And I think that might just be a, something that is less clear in the movie because like the, the movie doesn't have narration as much to to work with and so for the purposes of the adaptation Llewellyn takes on you know a little bit more central part because he he's actually got the action that happens for yeah. the for the plot to move forward well and that's one of the things I think that is uh, is so striking about this film and you know and, and, and I'm not going to necessarily try to compare it back to the book necessarily I'm trying to treat this film as what it is on its right. own but but if somebody had never read the Cormac McCarthy novel and, and when I had seen this film I hadn't read the novel yet same here and so when I was watching it you kind of get this idea that you know really your, your your central character in this is is actually you know Llewellyn Ross and then when he dies you know with 30 minutes left to go with in the 30 movie. minutes less in your film like what is going on here and then that's where for me as the first time viewing it that's where I finally realized I'm like oh my god he's not the central character mm-hmm. and that was kind of like that was uh that was a little jarring to me and and I loved it because like I haven't seen a film that has really had a swerve like that for me personally and to where like I you know I thought I I thought it was perfectly clear like okay here's your antagonist here's your semi-protagonist and then all along you know you just have this like side character and then you realize ultimately when that happens that Llewellyn is killed they're like no he's not the main character in this anymore or he never really was it's about it's about the sheriff's journey it is yeah yeah that was the thing that caught me off guard and I I love that part of it I thought that was great and you then have that and because then once Llewellyn is killed and it's so unceremonious like he doesn't get killed on screen he gets killed off screen and you don't even get a good look at him like unless you are really paying attention I could see some people just not even realizing like oh he's dead because you see you see him laying on the ground it's it's like kind of looking from his feet up towards his head you you don't get a great look at him no I'm gonna be honest with you uh when I was re-watching it for this podcast I forgot it was him like like it was one of those that like it it didn't because I was also I'll admit I was also like watching on my phone because I was trying to (laughs) sneak in the rest of it and I couldn't see it that clearly you don't get a clear shot of Josh Brolin. No, not at all. And it's not until his, until you know his wife, played by Kelly McDonald, shows up that you go, oh yeah, that was him. He was dead. <laughs> yeah. And there's 30 minutes left in the movie. And then what really nails it home that the sheriff is the really the the central figure is because then what does he do for the rest of the movie? He's having conversations with other old men, other yeah. old lawmen, and it's all of them kind of reflecting on the old days, the current days, and 
it's kind of interesting because he has two different conversations with two different old men. One of them who's like, oh, oh more power to you that you're retiring. Let's, let's let's get out of this business. This is a young man's game. This is a world. This is a world I don't even recognize anymore. And then you get the other guy who lives out in the chicken house. Not the chicken house, the cat house. Cat house. <laughs> uh, That's his uncle. Out in the middle of nowhere who is shaming him for and calling him a quitter. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting that he's going through, and I feel like they almost represent the argument, almost like the devil and the angel or the two arguments going on in his own head about what what am I about? And then that leads to that interesting scene at the end of the movie when the sh- where Tom Lee Jones is talking to his wife and it's like he just, he doesn't, he doesn't know what to do with himself anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's, his, it's no country for him anymore. I mean, he's he's with his wife and he's saying, I had this weird dream and, and he, he you could just tell that he like, he's just so lost. Like he doesn't recognize his, this world anymore. And, and I, and I kind of love, and, and I honestly don't remember how the novel ended. Oh, it, it, it actually, I did. I had to look it up because okay. I wanted to go back and look at, uh, I, I wanted to go back and look at the speech Tommy Lee Jones gives mm. because that is word for word, the book. And does it end just like that? It ends just like okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just couldn't quite remember, but, but that's the part I kind of love about it is like, you don't get this quote unquote satisfying ending. No, actually, I remember the first time I saw it, I, I had the, that's it. Like, like <laughs> everybody fir- had that. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just the, huh? Cut to black. That, yeah. It, because it feels like when you're just used to the movies that are plot driven, that are point A to point B to point C, if you're not focused on the thematic message of the movie, Right. The ending can be viewed as completely abrupt and unsatisfying because you get no resolution to anything except for Llewellyn's. Llewellyn's dead. Llewellyn's wife is dead. Um... Sugar, you know, gets away. Yep. And the sheriff is just sitting there in retirement. I mean, yeah. there is no resolution whatsoever, but that's not the point. The point is the message and the th- and the theme, and it, and it's supposed to make you feel like, and that's why I kind of go back to my comment about the nihilism. It's just the, that's it. Yep. It, it's like life. That's life. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. It, it, and it's so fitting. You know, once you realize, you know, and I, well, since you explained that, you know, this is how Cormac McCarthy ended his novel, and uh, of course, the Coen brothers followed that with you know their film I mean I would just say that that was the point like that that had a purpose to end it like that to you know totally fit in with the theme of you know the film it's kind of like you live and then you die you die yep ah such a good one such a good one I I gotta say this is this was my introduction to Javier Bardem oh okay I I, at least I think it was because I will tell you that he was definitely one of those actors back in the day who I couldn't tell if I was watching Javier Bardem or Benicio Del Toro yes I got those uh, back Back in the day, I got those two confused more times than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. I can see that. But and, and I never saw this film in theaters. This was definitely a... I was actually given this film as a birthday present. Okay. From some friends who were like, you would, you, you will, you will dig this movie, you will get this movie. And uh, so I remember popping into my DVD player uh, back in, it's like, 09, and just kind of going, huh. And it's definitely one of those films that it didn't blow me away on a first viewing. It, it's one of those that as the years have gone on and I've marinated on 
on it. Exactly. Yeah. Then I go, and I feel like it's a movie that this is one. This is one of those lines in the sand. You have to be willing to sit with something for a while. I think so. Yeah. And and it's films like this that make you, you know, maybe not constantly think about them, but they're things that you like will think back and go, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, oh, I remember that ending, and oh, I remember the way these scenes played out. Like, those are the kind of things that, for me personally, that um, really kind of draw me to these types of films. Like, I, I need something that makes me want to go back and think about it. That kind of like stirs in my subconscious. And this is one of these films that you know has has done it. And I was just so glad you'd picked this film because I've been like wanting to rewatch this thing, and, and it's been quite a while. You know, with so much good cinema coming out, I'm like I'm constantly watching new things, and so it's like you know a lot of these like great films like start to kind of sink further and further back. But like this was such a fun rewatch. Uh, it was just a visual joy to watch, and just the the way these actors, all the actors in this thing, really play their roles just to it, fantastically to a T. The subtlety in this film is it's really nice once you've seen it one time that you're not worried about what's going to happen or following it along to then you're able to appreciate like you can then take the time to listen to what they're saying to go okay what are they saying right and you're able to appreciate the I know this is going to pacing wise extend itself so let me look at let me look more carefully at what I'm watching because they've given me so much time to watch it Mm -hmm. right right yeah yeah this was a good one I mean and and it had like I mean we haven't mentioned uh, Woody Harrelson's in this as well Uh, he plays a great role (laughs) yeah Carson Wells Carson Wells is the character he plays he's another contract for hire hitman type of person right which it's funny because the the movie and and if I remember correctly the book don't spend a lot of time trying to explain to you what went wrong like what happened what went wrong obviously you've got two sides you've got the Mexicans and you've got some Texas businessmen who were buying the drugs something went wrong with the deal the one question I always still had in my mind that I don't think I've still adequately answered for myself and maybe I'm not supposed to but who who is Sugar working for like was he hired by the Mexicans like yeah because obviously the Texans hire Carson so that just kind of you know once again it, it's just one of those situations where I don't have all the answers no and I'm okay with that yeah that one's unclear to me too because I mean he, he obviously took out some of those Mexicans in a hotel room you know that were but he also took out the Texas guys who gave him the transponder <laughs> yeah. like so you know is this a guy that was he just freelancing on his own like did did nobody hire him is this just some guy that just kind of came in or you know uh, and decided like oh there's all this money involved and he's going to try to track it down like I have I have no idea and, and then I think you've read enough Cormac McCarthy novels I think this is one of his signature things like there are things major things that are just not explained oh because because technically it's not important it's not important right yeah, yeah. like going back to the road I mean the the catastrophe that kind of led to you know the, the post apocalyptic yeah the setting of the novel is never explained whatsoever it just happened yeah and it because that doesn't matter that's not the story no. yeah oh I mean this was this was so good and did you know that um, you mentioned Kelly McDonald earlier who She's plays Scottish. Uh, Carly <laughs> Carly Jean Moss my god if you ever hear her interviewed outside of this like I I would never have guessed uh, that she was a you know a, a Scottish actress oh well here here's something have you ever seen Brave yeah she's the voice of the girl she's the voice of the the girl the oh princess. she okay yeah, okay she in her native that's accent. her voice <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's kind of funny I'll have to I'll have to listen to that uh, in an interview and see if I can pick that up but yeah I mean it's amazing she does such a great job with the dialogue and her accent and they must have like a really great you know uh, a dialogue coach well then I mean you get all of them I mean Tommy Lee Jones 
Jones was just being Tom Lee Jones. Everybody yeah. else was having to make sure they put on, I think, a West Texas, like, did you, I think it was a West Texas accent. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to keep up with where in Texas this story took place because I will tell you, the first time I watched it, I did not pick up on the fact that this movie was technically set in 1980. And the okay. only thing that tells you that directly is the scene with the gas station guy and uh, Sugar talks about what year the coin is and how many years it's been traveling. And he, right. I think it was like a 58. <laughs> I did the math it's been too. traveling for 22 years to get to this point. I was yeah. like, oh, the movie takes place in 1980. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Missed me the first time I watched it. Yep. That was uh, that was where I did the math as well to figure out the setting. Oh, oh man. It, it's so good. This is such a good film. Uh, just, but you know, watching all these actors just kind of chew the scenery, you know, it was across the board. It was really good. I, I always like when I, when I watch this thing, I, I, I have like tons of questions, like just exactly how did Anton and Carson Wells, like how exactly did they track down Llewellyn? <laughs> right. Well, and there's always that question of why does Anton use a, you know, I, I'm not even sure, I know it's the thing that they use to kill cattle where he's got the pressurized air tank, but it's like, what exactly inspired you to choose, to make that be your weapon of choice? Yeah. It's, it's just, once again, but once, but it's these things that the, the, the answers don't matter because it's about the thematic message that Cormac McCarthy was trying to communicate through the story. Yeah. But I mean, just even the visuals of this thing, I mean, you know, when, when you first had, you know, Javier come out as Anton, uh, when he had pulled over that one car and, uh, goes right up to that guy. And that's the first time you really see it. Well, actually, yeah, that's actually the first time you see it being used. Right. You know, cause you see him get, you see him get pulled over and arrested by the sheriff who he then kills. You see the tank there, but you don't yeah. see it used. You don't know what it's he... being used for. Right. Yeah. They, so they call those things captive bolt pistols, basically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Of course, he's also got like the, 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 the rifle with like the huge old silencer on the end. <laughs> Which wasn't that silent, actually. <laughs> well, it's movies. You know. I know. But it was, it, ugh, that thing was intimidating. Oh, going back to, you mentioned when, you know, he had first gotten pulled over, uh, you know, by that one cop and then it was in the police station. The whole scene where, you know, he gets over, basically gets the handcuffs in front of his body and then he strangles that that poor officer, right? You know you're getting a stylized film and a Coen Brothers film when you finally see that scene again and you see the floor and you see all the scuff marks. Oh, the marks. scuff marks from the yeah. shoes? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I picked up on that too. It's like, wow, you were actually worried about the detail that if they're wearing these leather shoes, you're gonna have serious scuff marks on that linoleum. Yeah. No, they it was it was fantastic. And and that just made me, you know, between that scene, you know, after that scene, I was just terrified of him as a character. Like <laughs> I, I was so scared of this guy. Like he just majorly creeped me out. And uh and anything he did, you know, up to that point, I would just be, you know, super like nervous about what was gonna happen. And of course, like when he took that poor innocent bystander who he'd pulled over, and that's where you first get the, you know the first use of that captive bolt pistol and you know and that one is just like oh my god this guy is just absolutely brutal well and then it just and it just continues that tr- that reign of terror where just all these poor and and you know it's always the people who just who stop to help you know it's the you know hey let me jump your battery for you or yeah. you know can i help give you some directions like if you just had the unfortunate
unfortunate circumstance of coming into contact with Anton for no matter what reason. I mean, it gets to the point that by the end of the movie, when you got the two kids on the bikes, you're like, well, is he going to take out the kids? Yeah. And, and you almost feel like the only reason the only reason they live is because he doesn't, he have, doesn't have his bolt pistol <laughs> and the cops are on his way. So he just he needs to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that whole scene, which you had mentioned earlier when he was in a gas station with that one guy, uh, that was such a, a uncomfortable, tense scene because you just didn't know which way it was going to go. Yeah. And, and just the and that and that poor guy just like, uh, 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 I don't I don't know. It's like he's, he's just he's just country bumpkin running the gas station, you know, with who has no idea how to deal. It, once again, another representation of I, I would almost say if you look at all the victims, they are the quote old men. They're the other generation who are being slaughtered by a current generation. Right. And I and and I don't want to sound too smart by saying that because that literally just popped into my head <laughs> as I was saying that as we were talking. It's like, oh my God, look at all his victims. Yeah. It kind of thematically ties in with the message of the movie. Yeah, it really does. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. So I mean, who do you think had the money ultimately in the end? Because it's never explained. It's never explained. The money just disappeared. Like Well, so we know the money obviously the last person that we saw had the money was Llewellyn. Because it was there on the payphone while he was talking to his wife and his mother because he was in El Paso. Yep. He when he was at the hotel motel, yeah. he was carrying the gun on his shoulder, but he didn't have the money with him. But he had a he had a room. But he had a room. So presump you know, the presump actually, you know what? It is possibly explained because Well well when when Tommy Lee Jones goes into the hotel room and Shigura was there, you see that he's unscrewed the screws from the vent and right. left the screws in the plate. So with his dime. With his dime. So it leads you to believe that Shigura did reclaim the money. Or he the money was not in the room because he, he went you know, he went to the he went to the room looking for the money. Well, because that's where he it killed Wellen was in his room. Nope, no. It wasn't. He didn't kill Llewellyn. It was. It was the Mexican cartel. So Mexican cartels. You're right because they also killed the woman at the at the swimming pool. They killed the woman at the swimming pool. So they they're the ones that killed him. Uh, and they're the ones that also fled the scene very quickly. Right, because that's so like, the one that let that let Tommy Lee Jones know something was up. Yeah, and instead of like following them, which he didn't have any jurisdiction, he went right to the hotel, and that's where he found Llewellyn. So it was not Shigur. Shigur was always a little bit late, you know. Like he was not the first one to find Llewellyn. He was not the first one either time. Mm-hmm. Got to remember, it was Carson Wells who found him the first time, and then uh, you know the Mexican cartels found him at, in El Paso, and so he was late there. So he went back to that scene of the crime looking for the money he probably opened up the vent looking for it and perhaps it wasn't there or maybe it was there or perhaps it was there or once it was there questions it's not explained and it's all once again because it's not important it's not important but then when he gets in the car crash at the end and he flees he doesn't have the money with him he wouldn't have left it in the car but that was also because he had just gone to to kill Llewellyn's wife so that doesn't mean the money has to be with him oh very true yeah I guess he wouldn't necessarily have had it in the car he could have stashed it somewhere because there's there's a period of time in between the death of Llewellyn and the death of Llewellyn's mother-in-law, right? Because yeah. she has the can she has the cancer. Yes, yeah. which I, which was one part where I was like, that is that is a southern thing. We would say she has <laughs> the cancer, the cancer, yeah, the cancer, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is true. Uh, and then like just some other things that that they did, and, and and I don't know if it was shown this way in the novel or expressed this way in the novel, but like there was this uncertainty about whether or not he was going to kill you know uh, Llewellyn's wife, and uh, you know when he leaves the house, he gets out on the porch and he looks at both of his the bottoms of both of his soles of his feet 
So like clearly he had killed her. He like he's looking to see, oh, do I have blood on the bottoms of my you know shoes or not? And it was such a subtle way of kind of like explaining you like yeah, what you're afraid of happened. Mm-hmm. It actually happened, <laughs> and it was without being explicit, without you know being gratuitous in terms of showing like him killing her. I just love the subtlety of it. Well, because she also she also gets some dignity at the end, sure, because she's not going to play the coin game. No, she knows she's dead. Well, as soon as she walks in, she in no way expects to live and so she just sits down and looks him straight in the eye and just I mean she's the one character who you almost feel like has the no I'll go back to what I said has the most dignity because she knows what's going to happen every other victim was some poor country bumpkin who got who got taken out being completely ignorant of the evil that was in front of them and she stared evil in the eye knowing what was coming and accepted her fate yeah oh that I, I can't stop thinking about some of these scenes in the film right now. Uh, it's so many, so many great moments of tension and unease. It's, it's a, it's a great, you know, it's a great movie watching experience. This thing. I, I don't. I think, I think that's everything I've got for it. Because I mean, otherwise, at that, once again, like a McCarthy novel, it's thematically deep, but story wise, it's like, but, but what you see is what you get. And, I, and once again, I feel like that's what is the prose experience of McCarthy. The yeah. prose is straightforward, but the symbolism and the imagery and the themes run deep. The text is deceptively simple. Very much like this film. It's deceptive. The plot is simple. But you have the cinematography and you've got the pacing and you have theme and you have the subtle acting choices that challenge you to dig deeper than just following plot A to B to C. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned some of the the cinematography and some of the little elements they used. Uh, There's like a couple more that I was just thinking of. Like anytime Anton was getting ready to use that um, that one captive bolt pistol or gun whatever you want to call it uh, they would just show him turning on the air the pressurized air and you just hear the yeah that was really good Uh, the other one I was thinking of too is remember when Llewellyn went back to try to give water to the one guy that had had been asking for agua yeah and so he went back there at night and he's down at the scene he realizes that like something had changed since he was last there and he looks back up at his car and you get this great silhouette of just his one vehicle, his truck up there at the top. And then he turns back around and the scene kind of progresses a little bit. And when he turns back and looks again, there's a second car. Mm-hmm. That was that was such a great way of like, like you're like, oh crap, <laughs> you know, things are going down right now and he's in big trouble. Oh, those are great things. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's a great movie. And it won Best Picture. It earned it. It did earn it. <laughs> uh, like I said at the end of our Whiplash review, this is my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's fantastic. It's it. There are. I mean, the Coen Brothers make great movies. Not all of them hit for me. Their comedies are very much more hit or miss than their dramas. Their dramas you almost always click with me. But No Country for Old Men is hands down like this is the one I own. This is the one I've watched multiple times. This is this is the one that I come back to. Yeah, absolutely. They're just. I mean, I so when I take notes when. We we do some of these film reviews I, I have a list of like I, I have bullet points and I'll say these are the things I liked and then I have a spot where I have dislikes you know how many bullet points I have there uh, zero zero <laughs> I, I, I don't have anything I didn't like about this film yeah the only the only thing that I could quote dislike and it but I wash it away it's just the abruptness of the ending yeah but once again it but thematically works absolutely the first time I saw it too because I was unfamiliar with the novel at the time and that was one of the things like you're kind of conditioned for a day new 
maw. Yeah. It, it, it's the typical, you know, and this is the, what Hollywood gets criticized the most for is, you know, the typical Hollywood, quote unquote, Hollywood ending. And you don't get that with this film. Not at all. You don't get that at all. And and I'm happy you don't because it, it's um, at, at the time with when you don't have a chance to really quite understand exactly why it was done that way through time. It, it's such a powerful way to just kind of like end the film to give you that same lack of satisfaction that essentially is what the message of the film is yes absolutely so all right tim it is time you want to rate this one do you want oh, to rate this oh, one? like you don't know how i'm gonna rate this one <laughs> well i don't know you know this, is this one is this one a five as well this is a five yeah this is yeah. a five this is a five yeah so it's tied with whiplash <laughs> absolutely no th- th- i'm sorry like you thought like you thought this was gonna be anything else no well we might we may have something you know who knows you know down the road down the road well, uh, later on right because once again we're picking movies for each other yes so yes. now stop teasing me stop I, teasing you no i'm gonna me. keep okay. i'm gonna i'm gonna keep teasing you no don't tease me you come on we've we've now finished two films i we picked have. the first one i picked whiplash surprise you with that one and you surprised me with no country for old men scott okay this is a film this is a film that that has has somebody that is tied to the next the batman film paul dano okay okay he's he's one of the principal characters in this film okay okay Okay. this this is a paul thomas anderson film okay so i'm gonna pretty much go on the limb and say i haven't seen it you have not seen it okay this film uh i'll I'll tell you one more person in it who is like and this is an elite actor wait 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 wait. you're gonna it's gonna be let there be blood isn't it (laughs) daniel day lewis Did I call it? But no, you did not call it. It's Ah. actually called There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood. Okay. (laughs) Great. I've been wanting to see this movie. I I still have this day not seeing this movie. And this is going to give me the impetus I need to finally see it. You (sighs) love this movie. I love this And I know this about you. Yes. I love this film. Uh, Scott, let me just tell you this. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Yeah. You'll you'll know what I'm talking about. I've seen that scene. (laughs) No, it's it's such a superb acting, you know, acting, uh, just watching, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, it's it's a it, it's one of the best I've ever seen him do. Well, if, if not the I, best. Well, thank you. I mean, I've it's one of those movies I've wanted to watch, but I just I just I needed the kick in the pants to watch it. So thank you. I'm yep. I'm looking forward to seeing this for my first time. Absolutely. I, I knew I knew you hadn't seen this one yet. We've we've talked about this. So yeah. it's uh, been years. It is. Yeah. Th- this is one that you need to see. So okay. So we'll see. We'll see if you enjoyed as much as I do. We I don't know. I have no idea what you're going to think of it since you haven't seen. I it. have I have no idea either. We yeah. will see. So yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis's There Will Be Blood from 2007. Didn't that win Best Picture too? I think it did. You know, I it's I actually don't know that offhand. Let's see. Because I feel like it would have won the year before. Like it was the imme- it was the pre- it was the preceding year from No Country for Old Men. Okay, so this is what the film won. So Daniel Day-Lewis won an Oscar for Best Actor. Best Actor. It was nominated for eight Oscars. Okay. Which actually, <laughs> this is this is fantastic. It tied itself with No Country for Old Men. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the nominations included Best Picture, Best Director for Anderson, and it won two Oscars. Best Actor for Daniel Day-Lewis and then Best Cinematography. Oh, because it didn't win Best Picture. Yeah, no, it did not. So uh, Best Cinematography for Robert Ellswit. Oh, another name I know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so this will be a good one. There'll be a few things we'll be quoting from this guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. All right, guys. So that's going to be it for this review of No Country for Old Men. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it because it was the movie I picked. So do, please, we'd love to hear from you, hear your thoughts, share them with us at Squadcast Movies on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at ScottDC27. Yep. And then you can find me on Twitter at Alan Fire. And then you can email us at squadcastmedia at gmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on this film. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah. And don't forget, you can go to our website, squadcastmedia.com, to find the entire network of shows and we do have our patreon at patreon.com slash squadcast media that's going to be it for this week on squadcast movies and to all the listeners we hope to see you at the movies all right have fun guys bye <laughs> <laughs>